The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Support for this show comes from Inner Engineering, program to empower every human being with the tools for well-being from the distilled essence of yogic sciences. Visit www.innerengineering.com to learn more. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, this is Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami. Our guest today is Andrew Holacek, Buddhist teacher and author whose newest book, Dream Yoga, Illuminating Your Life Through Lucid Dreaming and the Tibetan Yogas of Sleep, is reviewed in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Andrew Halchek, welcome to Essential Conversations. It's so great to be with you. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation because I'm very interested in Buddhism and uh, any kind of meditation you can do while you're asleep, that seems really a plus for me. Yeah, no so, we can We're going to talk about dream yoga in a moment, but I just wanted to ask you a general question that maybe gets into your own spiritual story. But I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm 65. And when I was a teenager, I got involved in Buddhism. And the Buddhism at that time was, you know, in the 60s and 70s, was Zen. And then Zen was sort of replaced by the Theravadan Buddhist tradition, especially what we call mindfulness. And now the Buddhism, I almost want to say the Buddhism du jour, is Tibetan (laughs) Buddhism. Seems, doesn't it? Yeah. But, you know, Tibetan Buddhism is so esoteric. It's got all these deities and intricate uh, intricate practices and philosophies. I, I don't know why people are drawn to Tibetan Buddhism, but you certainly are. So how did you get into that rather than... Zen or, or uh, you know, Vipassana training. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my first experience actually was in transcendental meditation, which is, as you know, kind of an offshoot of um, Hinduism. Uh, I discovered that and had a, a pretty profound kind of before and after experience when I was 20 years old um, as an undergraduate studying at Indiana University. And, and when was this? Because I, I don't know how old you are. Yeah, so. I, I'm, I'm 61, so just a little oh, bit. Oh, so we're the same. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, um, yeah. And then really, it's interesting because uh, this dovetails into the whole dream yoga um, escapade for me. Is so when I finished my undergraduate studies, I did a double degree. So I think it was about 23 years old. I graduated with a double major. And I took a year off to kind of figure out what I was going to do. And um, during the course of this year, I, I started having um, some really interesting experiences that were um, – 
intimately connected to the dream state. You know, I, I actually had a, an experience for two weeks, which I relayed in the preface to the book. There was, uh, it still remains the most profound shape-shifting experience of my life where I fundamentally entered a, a, a altered state of consciousness. Um, actually, it's not really altered. I, I came to see it as more natural state and what we perceive as our waking reality. That's the altered state. But that's a different story. So I, I, I kind of dropped into a state where I was having multiple spontaneous lucid dreams, you know, waking up to the fact that I was dreaming while, while I was dreaming. That's what a lucid dream is. And then uh, sort of concurrently, my waking experience became increasingly dreamlike. So I entered a period where it, it became progressively more difficult to discern whether I was awake or asleep, which, which was exhilarating at first, thrilling, actually. But I didn't have the psychic infrastructure to really understand what was happening. And, and after a while, it became, uh, you know, disconcerting. I, I thought instead of attaining enlightenment, I was attaining insanity um, because I was losing my grip on what was real. Um, so I kind of shut the experience down and then started a, a somewhat rigorous search to, like, understand what the heck happened to me. And some of my process of elimination, I came across the teachings of um, Buddhism was immediately struck that the word Buddha comes from a root that means the awakened one. And then when I um, realized that Tibetan Buddhism has an entire uh, domain of practices uh, called dream yoga, I realized I'd come home. So that was it. I mean, here was a discipline in a, a thousand-year-old, actually more than a thousand-year-old tradition that was able to explain my experience. And that's no small thing. Um, and that's yeah, why yeah. I actually took refuge. So, so that's fascinating. So you came to this through experience, not through, oh, this is the, this is the hot Buddhism of the moment. Exactly. No, so, I, I came yeah, to this. Very yeah. interesting. So do you think it, it had that TM triggered your experiences? Well, there's no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. You know, because as you know, with meditation, um, there are so many benefits to meditation. But one of the ways I look at it now is that it, it increases or facilitates a type of porosity in that, um, you know, conscious and unconscious processes start to merge. In fact, as uh, Trung Prambache, um once famously said, beautiful, he said, uh, you know, meditation isn't a sedative, it's a laxative, which means, of course, all these unconscious repressed aspects of the mind are, are set loose. Mm. Uh, so that, that was fundamental for me, being able to integrate conscious and unconscious and, and uh, working with my dream state, you know, it really in the, the fruition of awakening, um, as I've come to understand it, is realizing that there's fundamentally no difference between being awake and asleep. I mean, the blood is the awakened ones are those who maintain a kind of 7-Eleven consciousness where, you know, their body may go into sleep mode, but their mind literally maintains lucidity or consciousness through all states. Um, so that's one way to define um, enlightenment from a Tibetan Buddhist point of view. Mm, that's fascinating. I mean, 7-Eleven consciousness, all I could think of was, you know, Slurpees or something. <laughs> oh, that's what, yeah. I mean, it's it, your soul. <laughs> yeah, right. It's interesting that so many people who are now in our, in our 60s had our, oh, I don't know, our spiritual eyes opened a little bit, at least, through through transcendental meditation. I mean, I, I remember talking to my dad about it, and he's very, very Jewish, and he's deceased now, but he he's, was very observant. And, you know, he thought it was crazy until I told him that, but, you know, we can levitate. And he says, oh, finally, somebody get you off your ass. So, he, you know, he thought there was some, there was some value just, just in that end of it. <laughs> but... All right, so you're you're having these experiences. You discover that that uh, Tibetan Buddhism can help you understand what's going on, yeah. 
And you're equating, well, no, actually you're not equating dream, lucid dreaming with dream yoga. You see a difference between, I mean, you you say it explicitly in the book, dream yoga is not the same as lucid dreaming. So you described lucid dreaming for us as, I mean, you're asleep, you're dreaming, but you know you're dreaming. What's the difference between that and dream yoga? Yeah, yeah. Again, just in broad sweeping terms, um, you know, lucid dreaming, I like to define it as... uh, at its apex, really, um, all about self-fulfillment. And, and that's not demeaning it in, in any sense. In, in fact, I like to look at the whole battery of what I refer to as the nocturnal meditations, which, by the way, also includes what's called sleep yoga, um, which maybe we can touch on, maintaining uh, awareness in, in deep, dreamless sleep. But, um, you know, these nocturnal practices, they build on each other. So lucid dreaming, you could say, and this is the way I refer to it, is, is fundamentally about self-fulfillment. You can use it initially, and most people do, for incredible entertainment value. Um, But you can also use it for a host of quite sophisticated psychological techniques, reducing depression, reducing nightmares, um, individuation, self-integration. In fact, Rabbi uh, Rami, if you look at the benefits these days, um, when I was doing research for my book, it's it's almost unbelievable the potentialities that await us every night in the uh, silence of the night. So what dream yoga does is it builds on the platform of lucid dreaming. So it transcends but includes, uh, which is a Hegelian term. It transcends but includes lucid dreaming. So you, you attain lucidity, but instead of working for purposes of self-fulfillment, self-satisfaction, um, or even psychological uh, development, you work now in a more spiritual domain. And I, um, one of the ways I define it is it's not so much about self-fulfillment as it is about self-transcendence. So you're, it just goes deeper. It, it drops deeper into the heart, mind, um, and therefore I think it's fundamentally more transformative. And there's a host of practices. I, I articulate this in my book. Close to a 10 practices that are progressively more refined, sophisticated, more difficult, where eventually you attain quite elevated states of meditation in, in the, the dream state. And, you know, playing on the, on the etymology of the word yoga, yoga literally – uh, colloquially as stretching awareness into previously unconscious states. Um, and, and this, and even further, yoga in the sense of yoking or uniting into your fundamental being. So at its deepest levels, dream yoga can help you identify who you are. It can answer the deepest questions of, of who you are and um, therefore um, lead you, yoke you to the very essence of your being, which, as you know, in the Buddhist tradition, um, the Buddha is within. It's just the sleep within our own heart-mind. Um, and these practices have the potential to arouse that. And then, of course, you don't leave, you don't leave the insights left in the, in the darkness of the night. You bring them up with you. Instead of waking up and bringing your, the darkness of ignorance with us every morning when we wake up, lucid dreaming, dream yoga, and sleep yoga in particular, um, you bring the light of wisdom and awareness with you every morning when you wake up. Um, and hence, you can use the dream state. In fact, uh, many Tibetan scholars and meditation masters assert, and I have to say my experience echoes this proclamation, that if you can meditate in the dream state, um, the meditations are nine times more effective than what you do during the daytime because um, you're working really with the tectonic place of your entire experience. You're working you know, conscious uh, the conscious mind is facing the unconscious mind point blank. And what you do down there has a profound effect uh, with what happens up here. As you know, any depth psychologist will tell you, 
backstage always runs on stage. So if you work with backstage, you can transform your life profoundly. So in a nutshell, and there's so much more to say, um, that's kind of one way to talk about the difference between lucid dreaming and dream yoga. So let, let me ask you a question about something you said a moment ago, that through dream yoga, you can, uh, I mean, you, I guess you come to understand who you really are yes. and you begin to live from that. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out from a Buddhist perspective. Sure. Now, you know, I, I, my training is as limited as it is, but I spent years with, you know, in a Zen environment. Uh-huh. and you aren't anybody. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. <laughs> so there, there, there's, I mean, it, everything you're saying sounds uh, sort of psychological, whereas, you know, the Buddha said that there is no self, there is no, there's no permanent anything. Yeah, so that's right. What, and and I'm, I'm curious if you see through the uh, the even the illusion of the dream self and that's why you make a claim in the book early on in the book that um this can be a practice to help prepare us for death yes exactly yeah so several you know you're hitting on several key topics here one of course is and i'll hit this right away is that uh, i mentioned these three principal nocturnal meditations lucid dreaming dream yoga, and then parenthetically sleep yoga, which I could um, unfold for you a little bit. The fourth nocturnal practice is, in fact, what you're just talking about. It's what we call bardo yoga. Um, bardo or the, is a Tibetan term that translated as gap, transitional process. But basically, in, in the Tibetan literature, it refers to the gap or the transition between lives, if you believe in that sort of thing. And in fact, in the Tibetan view, um, dream yoga came about principally as a way to prepare for death. Um, and the teachings are incredibly articulate, and I, I briefly touch on this in the very last chapter of the book, that um, every night when you go to sleep, you know, when you fall into deep dreamless sleep, the, the Tibetans refer to that as a concordant or a similitude, a concordant experience of what actually happens to us when we die. And so how this dovetails back into what you were alluding to earlier, you are spot on when you say that that we are, you know, fundamentally the true identity of self is in fact selfless, and you um, you become um, no thing, not nothing. Nothingness is, you know, misunderstood aspect of what Buddhism is so famous for, which are its teachings on emptiness. It's not nothingness, which would be nihilistic. It's no thingness, no ego, no self. And that is, in fact, a state, whether we know it or not, um, and most of us don't know it because we're non-lucid to it, where lucidity here, of course, is just the code word for awareness, this is where we drop every single night when we drop into deep, dreamless sleep. Dreamless is formless. That's why we have no formal recognition of it, because um, we only are familiar with identifying ourselves with things. So, you know, when we, if we can attain awareness and drop lucidly into the deep, dreamless state, we can recognize our formless and therefore deathless nature. If it's formless, it doesn't enter the world of space and time. It, it uh it more than transcends it, I like to use the word subsense it. Um, so dropping into the deep dreamless state 
it's formless, and it's therefore deathless. So this is what I call um, graduate school dream yoga. It's a little bit more advanced, a little bit more sophisticated, and um, simply because it's so extraordinarily subtle. But um, the halfway house of dream yoga, that's why I sometimes refer to that, dream yoga is like partial lucidity. Sleep yoga is full lucidity or full awareness. So what I talk about in the book is that highly proficient um, dream yoga practitioners can use lucid dreaming as a kind of halfway house, um, uh, yet another diving board to descend even further into this deep, deathless, formless nature. So, um, so much more to say here, but I think trying to circumambulate your key points, thats those are some of the things that jump out for me. Yeah, it's it's way more complicated than we can cover in, in 20 minutes. I mean, that's that's for sure. Which, which brings me to another question. I mean, and I, I've seen the book. I've, I've gone through the book. Can you really learn this from a book? I mean, Tibetan Buddhism seems so uh, Lama-centric, so guru-centric. You, you need initiations, you need teachers. And so, so that's, that's one question. Sure. Can you sure. do this without a teacher? And then the other question is, do people need a grounding in uh, the Buddha's basic teachings, Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path, or can you just skip the, the Buddhism and go right to this sure. specific practice? Oh, great questions. Yeah, thank you for being so practical, too. Um, you know, it's just like, it's like learning a new language um, or learning how to play the piano. Um, I, I think probably learning a new language is perhaps the most applicable analogy. Sure, you know, you, you can learn a fair amount from a book, no doubt. Um, you can teach yourself the induction techniques. You can learn the kind of the philosophies and the ins and outs and the obstacles and antidotes, um, no doubt. So you can go a, a fair distance um, from a book. But just like with any other discipline, it definitely helps to have some feedback. Um, it helps to work with an instructor. It helps to have some guidance. Um, so I, I would say that it's quite similar to any other type of um, endeavor. You can learn a heck of a lot through a book. I, I learned a tremendous amount before I studied with Dream Yoga Masters um, and, you know, felt quite capable of plunging into these practices um, using, you know, purely didactic material gained from a book. You know, whether one means Buddhism or not, you know, a somewhat similar response, you know, His Holiness the Dalai Lama um, is very clearly, uh, you know, very clearly asserted that anybody can do, do dream yoga. Um, it's just that Buddhists bring a, a different impetus to it. You know, they they bring a, this, this deeper kind of trajectory of trying to understand the nature of mind and reality, i.e. emptiness, with them as they explore um, dream yoga. But, you know, th these territories are, I mean, you know, this is the territory of the mind that we're exploring here. Really, when we talk about dream control and we talk about working with dreams and transforming dreams, I mean, what irreducibly are we really doing here? It, it's just your mind. You're simply working with your mind in a very subtle way as it arises in this kind of archetypal form. So it's all about, that's not about dream control, it's about mind control. Everybody has a mind, nobody has a patent on teachings around mind. So you don't, you don't, um, you definitely do not need Buddhism to work with dream yoga. But with well, that- I, let, me, uh, let, me just, let me just jump in, because we're sure. almost out of time and I don't want to okay. end. I want to I wanna ask you something and take us a little further, you bet. Uh, very, you know, in 60 seconds. Sure. Um, yeah, nobody has a patent on mind, but Buddhism, especially Tibetan Buddhism, is has such an an intric intricate philosophy of mind, and you know it draws from the Madhyamaka stuff in India and all this. Right. There, there's so much theory on which this stuff is based. 
Yes. You, you, you don't, I mean, if you say you don't need it, then it's like saying, well, then it's, it's irrelevant. And well, I know that's not what you're saying. That's why I want to end on that so that people don't hear that. Yes, I'm saying it's helpful. If you understand, the more, the more complete you understand the map, um, the better you'll travel the territory. Oh, there you go. There you go. Nicely put. That's really yeah. what I come down to. So. Nicely put. Okay, we're going to, I hate to do this because I'm so, I'm so, I have so many more questions, but we're going to have to end it there, Andrew. This was okay. really fascinating. So thank you so much for being with us on Essential Conversations. It's a delight to spend some time with you. Thank you very much. Um, it was really interesting. You're, you're, the book is great, and, and you're really fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. My guest today was Andrew Holacek, whose new book, Dream Yoga, Illuminating Your Life Through Lucid Dreaming and the Tibetan Yogas of Sleep, is reviewed in the July-August issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about Andrew and his work at andrewholacek.com. So again, thanks for being with us, Andrew. You're very welcome. Support for this show comes from Inner Engineering, a program to empower every human being with the tools for well-being from the distilled essence of yogic sciences. Visit innerengineering.com to learn more. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Please log uh, on to spiritualityhealth.com to subscribe to the magazine in print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker, and our program coordinator and executive producer is Alma Tassi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.